Choosing who to work with can be a challenge. In this episode, I'll talk about seeing beyond the words that trainers and instructors say in order to get a more real idea of what they're actually doing. Here we go. Episode 106, More Than Words. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. In choosing the title for this episode, I wondered if anyone else would be thinking of that 1991 song called More Than Words by a band called Extreme. I know I did. (laughs) And actually, the lyrics to that song do relate to what this episode is about, but I'll get back to that a little bit later. Oh, and before I get going, (laughs) after you search for that song and music video on YouTube, more than words, extreme. Uh, After you watch that, you might want to check out a parody video uh, that Jimmy Fallon and Jack Black did of that same song and video, and it's it's quite excellent. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay, now let's get to what I really want to talk about today. So I got a lot of feedback from the previous episode about um, putting horses in training, And it seems like a lot of horse owners experience stress around the decision to send their horse to a trainer or not. And for every success story, I also hear a nightmare. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about how to select the right person for you and your horse. Now in episode five, I talked about how to choose your teacher. So if this topic really interests you in general, I recommend having a listen to that episode also. Now, a lot of the students that I interact with fall into two main categories. And that's one category is dressage students who are looking for more help with the partnership part, or they're students that come from a partnership-based foundation and they're looking for someone to learn dressage or gymnastic development from someone in a, in a way that honors the partnership. Now, of course, the Dressage Naturally program and courses and materials handle all of this, but, you know, people who've gone through or are going through my courses also benefit from having eyes on the ground and some live support. So we need to be able to select the right person to help us because there's only a few dressage naturally licensed instructors. (laughs) We can't be everywhere. So in a way, I think that it used to be easier way back in the day when I first started doing partnership and, uh, or doing dressage in a more partnershipy way, there were so few people in the dressage world, especially that even talked about partnership the way it's talked about so often now. And if somebody was saying that they did partnership or horse first or heart centered or relationship based or, you know, anything under that umbrella, you know, if they said it, they usually meant it. 
And they were putting a conscious effort into achieving it and living it and teaching it. But nowadays, so many more people have been exposed to, quote, partnership-based training. And there's so much emphasis on horse welfare now. And with the internets, you know, (laughs) there's a lot more accountability. So I think now, these days, everyone knows you're supposed to do things in partnership with your horse. And so, so many more people are using that language, but not everyone is actually doing it or being it. So people my age or older will uh, remember when the word natural wasn't used on a lot of food packaging. Maybe that's because way back when things were mostly natural. But when I grew up, Not everything was natural. There was a lot of processed food. But at some point, uh, consumers became more health conscious. We kind of realized like, hey, where are we going here with the cheese whiz? (laughs) And consumers were asking for more natural products. So at some point, everyone, it seemed, started putting the word natural on food packaging. But uh, in the words of Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride, I'll say to the food industry, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. You know, natural processed cheese crackers. (laughs) So I think we have to realize that that word is not always, it's being thrown around a lot. And that's exactly, I think, what happened and what is happening in the horse world. As more and more people have been exposed to the benefits of natural horsemanship techniques or partnership-based techniques or techniques that create happy horses or, you know, whatever, pick your label, um, that those labels are thrown around much more freely and perhaps at times randomly. Now, I know that I use those words to describe what I do. And believe me, no one is more critical about me than me. So I critique and examine myself constantly. And sometimes I beat myself up a little bit (laughs) if I didn't think that I did my best one day for my horse. And I also celebrate myself when I think I've done a good job embodying what, you know, what I put out in my materials and the words that I say that I'm aiming for. So it's that, it's that, deep down accountability to those words that's important. I am not perfect and I don't always get it perfectly right, but I know deep in my soul that that is what I'm aiming for. Now you can go down a rabbit hole Googling (laughs) what the criteria is for labeling a food as natural. I actually found the document from the FDA and I read it and it still didn't make a lot of sense. So it's complicated and something being natural doesn't even necessarily mean that it's healthy, right? Arsenic is natural, but not advisable. So it's, it's even more confusing in the horse world. So I'm not sure I have the answers or even a recipe to follow because every situation is so different. How do you know if someone's natural? How do you know if they're partnership-based? So this is, this is more of a kind of a heads up. It's a heads up for students to look beyond the words that you hear instructors and trainers saying. 
and give yourself permission to make up your own mind about a person or a program. With that said, I'll say, give, give them a chance, right? So I'm not saying snap judgment. I'm not saying look at one photograph and judge them. I'm saying, you know, look at it, observe, feel it, decide whether the words, whether the actions are matching the words. And if you're not sure, you can ask questions or investigate further. Just don't take it just on face value. And maybe that's why I personally put out so much stuff because I don't expect anyone to take what I'm saying on face value, right? So in, in marketing, it's your people are always advising, like, be simple, be simple, be simple. And um, I know I tend to put out a lot. There's, you know, my website's huge and I have a blog and I have this podcast and, you know, because I don't want you just to see three words and have to trust me blindly, I want you to get to know me (laughs) and decide, is this the sort of thing that is going to work for you? So um, with all that said, uh, this episode is really my musings on things to pay attention to when you're a student and you're looking at a professional or anyone who's going to help you um, to see if it's a good match and if they really are walking the talk. All right, so we want to pay attention to the words. Now, I know I just said that the words don't necessarily mean anything, but they might. So if things like natural and partnership and happiness are important to you, find someone who at least is saying these things. (laughs) Someone who at least knows that these are important things to highlight. Or at least avoid someone who highlights the opposite of those kinds of words. So it'll get you in the ballpark. Now, some of the great, great older masters might not use any of those words. They're just doing it. So words are one thing that you can take into consideration. So next, you want to determine if what they're saying seems true. So if the person is saying they're all about happy this and happy that and natural this and natural that and partnership this and partnership that, like, do they seem happy? Do they seem natural? Do they interact with you and their other students in a way that feels like partnership? So if you haven't yet worked with them, observe if they behave in partnership with their clients do their students ha- does their students' happiness seem to be important to them? Do they actively do anything to promote this? That might seem really obvious, but I've seen lots of examples where they're talking about training and creating happy horses, but the students are crying in the barn <laughs> so after their lessons. So Watch out for things like that. You might notice things about, um, you know, things about this in the language they use when teaching. So sometimes it's really obvious. For example, they might be calling their their students lazy or untalented. Yes, this actually happens. And people pay for it. I've been, I've been cursed out in lessons from, natural partnership-based teachers, (laughs) or one of them anyway. (laughs) 
So, you know, we got to look below the surface. It doesn't negate everything. It just means take it all into account. Take it all into account. Do you regularly see students in tears in the barn after their lessons? You know, I've mentioned that before because it does happen and people pay for it and they keep returning. So now another thing you can look for if you're trying to figure out, all right, this person's marketing says they're all about happiness and partnership and all this. Um, You're observing them. You're trying to figure out, is this really true? Is it not true? Um, Another thing you can listen to is the tone of the voice. Tone matters. Someone can be saying nice things, but the tone can tell you what they're really thinking. We all know the phrase, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I mean, it's important because this is how they're communicating. And, and often when, when we see someone, especially someone who's masterful, when we see them doing something with a horse, and maybe we don't know so much about how to do things with horses, we can hear them talking, and then we can hear, look at them playing with a horse. And because we don't know, we're, we're hopefully giving them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I think skepticism is healthy, but not standing in judgment. So we're suspending judgment. We're observing with a, with a healthy dose of skepticism. But if they're saying, oh, and this is for understanding, and this my horse is going to be happier after this, but the way that the words they're using to describe their horse, the way that the words they're using to describe their students is coming out in a way that doesn't quite match that, pay attention to that, right? It, it's, it's harder to see in the horses because that's something we're learning. We don't know. So I don't know, maybe that's the best way to do it. But listen to how they're talking to the people, because that's something we do have experience with, right? So listen to the tone. And if they're being snippy and sarcastic and demeaning to people, there's not guaranteed, but there's a good chance that that's what's going on in their head when they're talking to your horse. Now, sometimes it's not. Sometimes people are much better and forgiving with horses than they are with people. <laughs> and sometimes the other way around. And sometimes they're exactly the same. So, you know, there's no rules here. But often if we're in a situation and we're trying to figure something out, we just need some little um, things to look at, right? Not any one of these is guaranteed, but these are things to look at. So if you if you can't quite put your finger on why someone just, uh, I don't know, everybody recommends them, it doesn't feel right to me, these are sort of the things you can maybe look at. So tone matters. Now, this is cool. Uh, there was a really interesting study done in 2002, and I'll put the link to it in the show notes. And depending on where you listen to the podcast, you might be able to click on show notes. If you can't find it wherever you're listening, just go to my website, dressagenaturally.net slash podcast. This is episode 106, and the show notes will be there. But anyway, there's a, <laughs> there's a study in 2002 where they recorded surgeons speaking to with their patients. And it was like just 10 second clips. And the they controlled the, the experiment was controlled for content. And in fact, I don't even think the words could be heard. 
It was just the tone of voice that people could hear using just 10 second clips. And what they found, and then they analyzed for different qualities. And what they found was that surgeons with ratings of higher, that were higher in dominance, however they could use dominant tones, <laughs> that if they were wearing higher in dominant tones and lower in tones of voice that expressed concern, so high dominance, low concern in just the tone of their voice, not in the content of what they said, those surgeons had the highest number of uh, malpractice suits. <laughs> Interesting, I think. So tone of voice, right? So if you're listening to someone and they're just like grating on you or they feel like they sound snippy or like they have um, a chip on their shoulder, that kind of tone of voice while they're saying things like, and now the horse is going to be happy and he's, you know, <laughs> and you're looking at other feedback, you might be like, huh, interesting. Now, another, another study along these lines used uh, a computer algorithm that could predict whether a person and their spouse was going to have an improved or worsened relationship over the course of, I think, the next year, or I forget the time block, based solely on the tone of voice that was being used. So the computer didn't understand the words. It could just re register the different tones. And it was accurate within uh, nearly 79% accuracy, just on the tone. So tone matters. And, you know, again, there's no right or wrong tone of voice, right? And, and some can, it's not like the pitch. So some people have high excited voices. Some people have low calm voices. Some people have high calm voices. Some people have low, you know, it's not the tone. It's just the way things are said. And often, often, because we can hear the content, it's the content of it. It's the choice of adjectives. Listen to the adjectives. And just make sure it's a match for you. No right or wrong. Make sure it's a match for you. So is it snippy and sharp? Is it dominant and showing low concern? Is it flippant? Ah, stupid horse. He'll figure it out. He's just whatever. So think about how do you feel after you've been listening to this person for a while? So when you're sitting on the side of the arena, you're listening, do you start to feel edgy? Do you start to feel mistrusting of everything you see? <laughs> do you start to feel unsafe? Oh my gosh, every horse is out to kill me. I had no idea. <laughs> Some people teach about partnership, but they do it in a way that kind of comes from this point of view that every horse is trying to hurt you. And now we have to teach them partnership. <laughs> make them happier. Interesting. Also, another place that you can, you can look to kind of measure whether this person is natural and happy and partnership based and things like that, and really living it and being it is to watch out for the ego monster. I just made that up. So the ego monster typically will start blaming things and people and situations when things go wrong. And they often blame everyone else but themselves. So now as a teacher and trainer, I am fully aware that the success of the student or the horse in front of me is 
really based on what I ask them to do or their lack of success. I mean, I take a lot of responsibility when I'm teaching and training. And I know the student has to show up at least, you know, meet me halfway. But still, even if I have a student who's not meeting me halfway, I can set that student up for success or lack thereof based on my choices and the things that I, how I respond to them and what I ask them to do. So when problems arise, people who are not possessed by the ego monster will tend to default to humbleness and curiosity. And they'll celebrate when things go well. Now, by saying they'll celebrate more. So like, for example, if I celebrate successes or, you know, I help someone through a lesson and they're rock stars and it all goes really, really well, or they make this amazing progress. And if I'm celebrating, it's not because I think I'm so great. It's because it's actually the opposite. It's because I fully realize how easy it would have been to mess it up, (laughs) to get it wrong. So I'm like, yes, nailed it. (laughs) And I, that's why I encourage people to celebrate. Like we've got to come from this perspective of it's amazing. This stuff happens and works at all with horses. So if you get it right, celebrate yourself. You got it right. There are a million choices and you didn't mess it up. Good for you. (laughs) Let's celebrate. So ego-driven people, people who are possessed by the ego monster, take success for granted. Of course it worked because they're just the best, right? So they assume success because they're so good at what they do. And they don't always acknowledge when things are not working. Well, they certainly won't acknowledge that it might be because of the stuff that they're asking for, right? Maybe it's the wrong exercise (laughs) that you're asking for. Maybe that's why they're not having success. And if they do realize things aren't working, then there's going to be some blame. The horse is a problem. The rider is not focused enough or dedicated enough or so-and-so's over there making noise. So again, you've got to measure there's skill sets, there's talent, there's ability, there's credentials. And then there's, is that person the right one for you? And people have different tolerance levels for these things. Again, we're, we're talking here about like how much into partnership, natural, heart-centered, horse-first, relationship-built. And that's why a lot of the things I'm talking about here actually tie into relationship. There's a quote, which I don't really think is true, but it's fun to use sometimes, which is how you do anything is how you do everything. And so in try, again, in trying to figure out the right person for your horse, if relationship and partnership and empowerment and happiness are important to you, seeing how they they do relationship and partnership, et cetera, with you and with people is a window in. So again, ego-driven people will take success for granted. They don't always acknowledge when things aren't working. It's just that you're not doing it right. It's not that it's the wrong exercise. You're just not doing it right. Or if they do realize it, they blame others. And... People who are not so ego-driven 
will default to humbleness and curiosity. Oh man, this isn't working. Huh, I wonder what else we could do. Hang on a second. Let's see what else we need to do. So another thing you can observe is whether someone is using partnership-like language. So do they think and talk um, using words like we or let's? Or do the lessons and training sessions have more of an, an us versus them feel? So I've seen people who call themselves partnership-based yet talk about the horses doing this to you or the horses trying to get away with something, for example. And it starts to feel like it's the student and the teacher versus the horse. And sometimes it's even the teacher versus the student versus the horse. <laughs> the teacher is trying to get the student to, to win something over the horse or something. And so it's like these three individuals and they're all trying to one-up each other or something. I've seen sessions with, you know, partnership-based gurus where every mistake the horse makes is noted and techniques are readily applied, but no one ever talks to the horse or looks in the horse's eyes with love. It all feels really mechanized. You know, and this is even with well-picked exercises and quote-unquote good technique and all the right words being said, but still the horse is standing there and it feels like he's all alone. So it's the feeling that the, all the techniques are being applied to the horse instead of sharing an educational experience with the horse in a way that feels yummy and where the horse and the human relationship actually feels warmer from it, not just, hey, don't let him get away with you doing that. Don't let him. He's going to run you over. He's going to. I know it sounds so weird, but this can happen. I mean, we expect stuff like that to happen with people who are maybe, you know, more obviously anti-natural horsemanship or anti-partnership based. I, I guess there's some of those out there. Not the circle I hang around in. But I'm emphasizing this because this stuff happens inside the world of people who would call themselves partnership-based. So we want, me, we, me, I, and I assume here, if you're on a, listening to a podcast called Horse Training and Harmony, I'm going to make an assumption that maybe these feelings of harmony and feelings of we doing it together, feeling, you know, warm and fuzzy, you know, that would be important to you. You know, we want to do it where the the horse and human relationship ends up feeling warmer at the end of the session. And, you know, I know, okay, now I'm getting all, literally, I'm getting all warm and fuzzy. But this is, this is never in lieu of tangible training results. It's in addition. And I think it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's an important integral piece of getting tangible training results. I think it is a part of tangible training results because trained, you know, a trained horse who stares into space around me instead of seeing me and really looking at me and saying, hello, you, <laughs> what are we doing today? I mean, if they're not doing that, then I'm not really fully in the success that I'm looking for. Even if he's 
being correct. So, you know, a really obvious example would be, you know, a horse, a horse who's taught, you know, stand behind this line and don't move, right? So I put my horses in the grooming stall and I'd like them to stay in the grooming stall, you know, while I can go in and out of the tack room. But there's such a huge difference between a horse standing there, not allowed to move, and, you know, maybe I've successfully trained it. The horse doesn't move. But he's blank. I can move all around him. I can tack him up. Never moves a muscle. That's a kind of natural horsemanship sort of thing to do, right? They have the responsibility. They're not reacting. They're not spooking. They're just standing there. But picture, you can probably picture that happening with a horse who's kind of dead inside and checked out and feels like I'm not allowed to move. Then picture a horse standing there, alive, looking at you, maybe moving his head around, maybe seeing what he can reach with his neck. Maybe, you know, when I come out of the tack room, he's like giving me a cute face. Maybe he's doing a little thing with his nose because he knows if I do that, I can give him a cookie. Meanwhile, he's standing there and I'm grooming him and maybe he shifts his feet a little bit when I'm currying him because that part feels good. And then maybe he shifts a little bit more because he reaches around and says, hey, I got an itchy spot back on my hind leg on the inside up high. Could you, could you get that for me? And so he does. And when he puts, you know, I start to scratch him and while I'm scratching him, he maybe shifts and stretches out his feet so his feet aren't perfectly still, but he's alive inside. And I feel like we're doing it in partnership. So the tangible result is the same. My horse is standing in the grooming stall and not walking away and allowing me to groom him. But there's a difference in how it feels. So maybe you don't want that. Maybe you need a horse who's just doing a job and like just stand there, like don't move. And there's probably jo- horses with actual jobs where that would be safer. And, you know, it's okay. And you could probably even teach that where the horse doesn't have to be dead inside in order to do it. So the point is, feel it. What do you want to be creating? What do you want to be learning? What is that professional good at creating? And do you want to create that? And look beyond just the tangible results. Because there is a feel and that feel is everything. And how is a horse feeling about it? So I believe with all my heart, with all my heart, (laughs) that was a combination of horse and heart. (laughs) I believe with all my heart that we can have it all. We can have horses who are doing what we want them to do. And they're all warm and fuzzy and alive. And then I have to put an asterisk footnote because training processes are not always warm and fuzzy in every moment. There's no illusions there. The best relationships in the world go through rough patches and maybe they even need to in order to end up with an amazing, resilient, deep, multi-layered relationship, right? That's when you get to the good stuff by going through some of the hard stuff. So when I'm talking about things being happy and warm and fuzzy, it it doesn't mean that it's never without conflict, but it's how are we solving the conflict? What's our come from? All right. So we've looked at the words and the tone and the feeling, and we also have to look at results. You know, so there are ways to know if horses are experiencing stress 
We can look for stable vices, ulcers, their expressions, how willingly they show up for and approach the, the person handling them. And we can look for signs of increasing partnership, increasing willingness, and an increase in the connection and in the behavior of the, the trainer's horses and students. You know, look at look what's happening over the time. Look at the trainer's horses. Is that what you want to achieve? How are things progressing over time? And just make sure that those outcomes match what you want to create. You are allowed to choose the kind of relationship that you have with your horse. Choose a trainer that's going to help you with that. Now, I like my horses to be really expressive. I like them to be interactive and I want them to feel free to tell me no if they're really thinking no. I want them to rub on me and play with my hat and point to their itchy spots. And then I can decide in the moment how to handle it. And I know I'm able to turn off any behavior if I want to. Now, but that scenario of my horse rubbing on me and playing with my hat may not be tolerated with many trainers. You get to decide the kind of relationship you have with your horse. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. Now back to the Inigo Montoya quote from the Princess Bride. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Happy partnership. So I once saw a demonstration at the Global Dressage Forum years ago where the subject was the happy athlete. And this trainer was riding a horse, demonstrating his training methods and how they create happier horses. Except throughout the session, the horse was clearly becoming more and more anxious and uncomfortable (laughs) as the ride went on. Now, this could have been because of the stress of the situation or the environment, doesn't matter, whatever. But for 45 minutes, there was a soundtrack of the rider saying, I'm going to do this exercise and this makes the horse happier. (laughs) And now I'm doing this because this makes horses happier while I'm seeing increased anxiousness, clear signs of it. It was mind boggling. Now I also could stand back and get the perspective of this is a difficult moment for the presenter. 
right? So you're, oh my gosh, I had this whole thing planned. This all works at home. I get in front of the audience and oh no, (laughs) it's not working. But the reality was, this is a top professional. He should have said, you know what? This horse is clearly becoming anxious. And the reality is, this is what a, this is not what a happy horse looks like. And here's, you know, so I'm not going to be able to demonstrate what I thought I was going to be able to demonstrate. But let's look at this. Because if you're talking about how to create a happy horse, you better be able to notice an unhappy one. And he's clearly unhappy for these reasons. Can we see it? And now here's how I think we need to change things. Or in reality, if this was at home, I would just let him, you know, I wouldn't pressure him. I would let him get more used to the arena before I did it. Whatever it is. he had. There was an opportunity to really teach what needed to be taught. But then I thought, maybe he really didn't have the tools for that. I mean, he's an upper level, high, you know, world-class dressage trainer. And like I say so many times, dressage problems are not always dressage problems. So this horse was not experiencing a, which gymnastic exercise should I do today to keep my horse happy problem. This was a foundational, emotional issue. But he kept applying his, quote unquote, happy dressage techniques, and was actually creating unhappiness. So look for a trainer who can, who can turn off the ego monster and who can be willing to say, you know what, this ain't working. (laughs) Humbleness, curiosity. It would have been a great demonstration of what a horse looks like when he's not happy and how to modify that plan accordingly. Instead, it was a demonstration of putting the word natural, you know, natural flavoring on some processed cheese crackers, right? Sounds good, but you know, it's not good for anyone and it's not really natural or happy or whatever that dumb word that's just tossed around is. So pick someone whose results can match their words. Or pick someone who doesn't use those words, but actually gets the result of those words. Success with horses is so much more than words. So now, as promised, back to that song, More Than Words by Extreme. The lyrics really apply. The song is about someone who wants their partner to not just say, I love you, but to put it into action. So here's the first verse of that song. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) I will spare you that. But it's a really good song. I like it anyway. But here's the first verse. Saying I love you is not the words I want to hear from you. It's not that I want you not to say, but if you only knew how easy it would be to show me how you feel. More than words is all you have to do to make it real. Then you wouldn't have to say that you love me because I'd already know. So be a partner for your horse. Don't just say the words. Live it. Be it. And find people to help you who embody partnership, happiness, connection, whatever the quality is that you're looking for. Look beyond the words and observe them in action. Listen 
to not only what people say, but how they say it. Feel. Feel what they're presenting. Know what you want to create and keep moving towards that. Seek humble, curious, caring experts to be part of your team. Trust your instincts and question everything. Be inquisitive and follow others with your eyes wide open. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.